Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Barnhart, along with author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg. We're here to encourage you wherever you are on your healing journey. In each episode, we will chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you found us. Let us help you find your joy in life. So welcome back to yet our, wait, what is this, our third season now of Grief and Rebirth podcast? Irene, hi. Hey, yes, we're in our third season and I can't believe it's been three seasons. We're kicking off already. We are taking off too. It's like amazing. So many people are enjoying the podcast. We're getting such great feedback uh, from it and we're having fun. We are having fun. I'm definitely looking forward to this season. We have a really good lineup um, set to go throughout the summer here, which is always fun because I feel like summer is always a time when you kind of, you know, start to reflect again on all the funny and healthy things. You know, it's not the winter where you're like just depressed and cold. Like, so I think it's a really good time to start making a lot of good new cleansing and finding all these new exciting ways to help yourself be better. And we have a lot of those coming up, including today, right? We have Jill. That we have Jill today, and full disclosure, Jill was highly recommended and referred to me by Seta Aras Shahinian, who is our episode number two. And Seta is a marvelous energy healer, and she said to me, Irene, Jill is so gifted and fantastic and helps so many people. You've got to have her on your show. And I said, not a problem. Here we go. So let's introduce everyone to Jill Aris. And Jill, say hello. And why don't you start by telling people what you do? Oh, hello. Um, well, I just want to thank you both so much for having me on. And thank you to Setta for suggesting it. I, I feel so blessed to be here. Um, and so the work I do there's several layers. I work with the blueprint of the natal chart in astrology. I work with the blueprint of dreams, uh, the dreams we have when we are asleep. And I also work with family systems. So I'm a trained marriage and family therapist. So I'm very much fascinated and interested in all the blueprints and roadmaps we've been given to understand our own story and how we can shape our destiny wow. in light of that's looking at, be, yeah. That's going to be so fascinating for people who are listening in because some people listening in don't even know that we have blueprints. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have blueprints all over the place. We have them on our hands. We have them on our faces. Um, but the ones that I've really been drawn to study and immerse myself in and really synthesize the gifts of are, are these three particular modalities. And so my practice is based in that. And I really just wherever people are is where I meet them when they walk into my office and, and we go from there. And you intuit what they need when they, when they come in, or do they come in with a complaint, I'm having a problem with my family, or I'm having a problem with grief yeah. of some kind or whatever? How does that work, Jill? Yeah, I mean, it really does depend on how people walk in the room with what they would call their chief complaint of their life. Um, but, but yet, it is a very intuitive practice. So, you know, I'm educated and uh, my skills are honed, but then the most important skill that I have is the one that is connected to source and that's connected to the work that I've done with myself inside of me to be connected to whatever 
you know, I consider to be God within me. So that's, you know, these are all um, the gifts that kind of that they blend and merge together in the room. That is, that's amazing. Um, do you do this just a one-on-one in private practice, or do you also uh, help people long distance through phone consultations and all that kind of thing? Yeah, I do. I, you know, God bless Skype and FaceTime and all the ways that we connect with each other now. I mean, look at how we're doing this, this work together right now. I mean, it's, it's amazing um, and miraculous how we can connect with each other. So I do work with people in the room at a distance. Um, most often, I will end up working with people and their, their partners, their spouses, their children, because we don't exist in a vacuum. We exist in context. And we need to understand our context to really understand who we are individually and then start to create that healthy individual presence so that our life, so that when we rejoin our context, we're doing it from consciousness and and choice and that vibrancy of who we really are. I, what I really love about what you do is you marry both the alternative healing that you're able to do with traditional knowledge and healing because you also are traditionally educated. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, you know, I've always been esoterically minded. I've always been connected to things that all that we can't see, everything that I can feel. So I started out that way, really as a little girl, pulling books at the age of four on Saturn and Pluto and Uranus. And then as I grew into my, my maturity, uh, and I started working with people, I realized that really through a wonderful client of mine, she said to me, why don't you do some kind of psychology, you know, licensure or something, because you'll just be so much more open to so many more people. And, you know, she helped me, you know, my clients are helping me as much as I'm helping them. And that's it's a very reciprocal relationship. And I really took that to heart and found this amazing marriage and family therapy program at Seton Hall University, which I highly recommend if anybody's at all interested or comes from families with dysfunction, which is almost, I think, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it's a universal language. Yeah. So, well, can you so yeah. give us like a, a story or an example of kind of like, um, you know, how this works for you, maybe for like a real like person, like kind of gives some relatability to like people who are listening right now. How it works when, when you would come into the room with me, you mean? Yeah. Like if I like had an issue, like say like, you know, um, I just yeah you know, lost somebody. Like I did, I lost my dad in October. So we can even use myself as an example. And I would come in and, you know, yeah. still grieving from it. Or, you know, if someone's meeting yeah. new people, in their lives in the last couple of years and they're struggling with that grief like you know yeah we do yeah well the first thing that I do is I really I sit and breathe with the person and really touch into where they are in emotionally in that moment so you know people who are grieving go through a lot of different stages and then the cycles of grief keep coming and coming like layers of an onion, you know, we're really never done grieving. We, we're just, as human beings, grief is one of the most difficult aspects of humanity that we have to deal with, and, and dreams help us so much with peeling that back. But so when somebody comes in the room and they're grieving, I want to know what stage they're at. And I don't mean like by creating a category, I mean by feeling into it with them and being with them because the the thing about grief is that it's so lonely and we don't know that other people can 
be empathetic or compassionate, we feel like we have to get over it quickly, especially in our culture, our very westernized uh, thought process about everything is get over it fast. We have to get back to work or you have to look good and act well um, and be strong. So in my room, I want people to know that they don't have to be anything other than what they are in that moment. And they can be messy um, and, and let it all go and um, my, my goal and my hope and my wish is to create that safe container to start the process from there. I'm wondering if, like, when someone comes in, I know that there is grief, and then there's what they call complicated grief, when, it, when people um, are so distressed, beyond, 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 and can't seem to let it go. Doesn't yeah. that go back into triggers from their childhood that has also been unresolved. So I would imagine with your degree and your training in family systems, you could really help not only heal the current grief, but help the people to heal older issues that they weren't even conscious about. Oh, Irene, that is such an amazing point because so much of what fascinates me is multi-generational trauma. Really, that's what you're talking about. You know, we all come from... Uh, long lineages that many of us don't even know anything about, but, you know, almost nobody is living in this country as indigenous people. We all come from other parts of the world for a lot of reasons. And so that grief and the loss is in our DNA and it's passed down and we are all responding to unconscious messages that are happening in our psyche, deep in our unconscious mind. And again, that's another piece that dreams bring. They bring us past life regression as we're ready to feel it and heal it. Because if you can feel it, you can heal it. So in our culture where we're talking about never feeling pain, you know, medicate everything, you know, we want to do the opposite. We, in a supportive environment, we want to feel. So yes, all of the grief that we're feeling when, when it's hard to get a handle on it over time, where in the waves of it are still crashing as if it had just happened, then we know that the person is in shock and confusion. They're all trauma symptoms that, that go deeper than the, the initial wound, that, that trigger point, that almost mm-hmm. like if you would imagine like an acupuncture needle that like set the whole thing off is deeply rooted in the person. And each experience that we have, as, especially the most painful, difficult ones, are meant to give us opportunity to, to, to grow and then to heal through pain. And that's so, the yes. part that people don't understand, Jill, be, to me, and you could feel free to agree yes. or disagree, but I think that people don't understand that suffering is optional. It just, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to be stuck uh, no. when that happens. And it feels like a peeling of an onion. Like, you know, they're coming yeah. with their current grief, but they've also got whatever happened to them in their childhoods. And then there could be even past life issues that, that are contributing. Yes. Well, absolutely. That is the whole thing. I mean, it's a snowball effect. And, you know, when, when we have this feeling of um, that we should snap out of it fast or that, that we need to move through things quickly, we don't, we don't recognize that we that that feeling pain is a process. It's a, it's this tender uh, this this way that we actually connect with our soul is through pain. So so uh, two sides of the same coin are love and pain, and that's how we connect in the most powerful 
way inside of ourselves and then to whatever we feel is God or the universe or energy, however you think of creativity, the, the pain and the grief that's been with us from lifetime to lifetime, if you're a believer in that, or simply in our DNA, is, direct, is really it's calling the shots until we bring it to light, until we shine light of consciousness on what's happening. Does that make sense? Totally, because I've been exactly where you are. When I lost my husband, I was working with a healer, um, and she happened to be a traditional healer. She was a life transition coach. And one of the things that we found out was, I mean, I was over the top. Well, some of it had roots in my childhood, which was not an easy childhood, and things that had happened there. So, like, the feeling of abandonment was exacerbated by the fact that now my husband was gone, and I was doubly abandoned, and I had to deal with both of the current wound, and then it brought up the past wound, and it was an opportunity for me to heal that also. Exactly. I mean, in in psychological terms, we call that a priori. It's a pre-existing condition that got triggered by the current circumstances. So we're always being given these opportunities to heal trauma wounds. That's fantastic. There's two things I really like here. The one is when you said, if you can feel it, you can do it. Like, I feel like that's a really great, you know, a statement just to kind of keep in the back of your mind, just to remember, because, like, I feel like a lot of us think, like you said, that we, we can't heal a lot of these things, and we are so rushed. Like, even not just with, like, losing someone, but, like, what I'm thinking is, like, Having having a baby, having a child. A lot of my, you know, friends, oh yes, my listeners are show, are parents, and we are so rushed through that process to, you know, get yeah. back to work, we don't lose our job, to look good. I mean, look at even who is the princess? You know, she just had a baby. Like what? Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Well, she she has a team. She has a team propping her up for that moment. Yes. I feel like let the poor girl rest. Why is she out? I know. No, no. I think that's such an incredibly powerful uh, time in life when, when women choose to have children, men and women choose to have children. And then what happens to women in the process there, there's actually a movie that just came out called Tully with Charlize Theron. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's this incredible, powerful, like character study of watching what she goes through as she brings her third child into the world and what her marriage looks like and the state of her being. And it's, we are truly humbled by, by having children. I have five children all moving into adulthood and, and near there. So when I look back on those moments of being on my knees, just with exhaustion and emotional pain that now I understand has so much to do with the fact that when we become mothers, we relive our own childhoods unconsciously. We are in the same kind of pain as we, if we watch our oldest child at two and something's going on with them that triggers a memory and it's unconscious, we're right back in our own trauma without even knowing. So we feel doubly uh, lost at sea or drowning in all of it. And so if we, if we have that capacity 
to start to say, oh, I get it. Like this is kind of a symbiotic relationship I have that I need to learn how to differentiate myself for the health of my child, for my own health, and to start to heal my trauma while I'm raising children. It will enable a woman and a man, if, if, if a husband or the, the partner is on board for that, to start to really look at the, the family system and how trauma could be impacting it unconsciously. So raising consciousness, being willing to see it so you can change it. So if you can see it, if you start to learn about it and see it, you have this possibility of changing it little by little, like baby steps, no pressure because there's enough pressure involved in parenting, but little by little, we see it, we know how to change it, we lean into support, we need a tribe, we need a group, we need people who are 10, 20 years ahead of us who can say, I know what that is, hold my hand, I'm with you, you're not alone, this is the existential pain of being human and being brave enough to have children. It's, it's overwhelming. You know, this is such an important interview, Jill. I don't think anyone, um, I think everyone needs to hear this because I don't think anyone on this planet isn't affected by trauma that has bled into other things that go on in their family systems. Just very briefly, I had, after I healed all of my, um, and I'm not far from perfect, but after I healed a great deal of my triggers in my systems, I was able to begin the healing of my whole family system where no one was talking to each other. And but people had been estranged for years. Now everyone is connected. They're getting along, Mm -hmm. but people had to do the healing. And it started with, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And that's the thing. People really can come back together. You know, looking at our trauma, being willing to express what's truthfully going on with us doesn't mean that we have to lose each other. In fact, just the opposite is true. A family can come back together and reform in a cohesive way. So we want boundaries in a family that are flexible and generous. Many families, most families create boundaries that are so rigid that people either have to conform and shut down their souls and their their very being to stay in, or they have to leave. They have to break out and break through and be gone. And that's, you know, neither one of those choices is what humanity really wants. We want to be together in a tribal setting, but yet be who we are. So, like, what would you recommend, you know, even if somebody's listening or, you know, maybe if they're, they're not even this far as you're listening to this yet, but like, you know, like, if girl, like, you know, if parents or moms or women are just like experiencing mm-hmm. any kind of trauma from death to, you know, yeah, like, I mean, you're saying like, you know, you gotta just take these baby steps, but like, how do you even really recognize that you're in that situation? You know, I feel like, yeah, I, I yeah, seen some people myself even recently that are just so far into I, I don't even know if it's like a depression but I, I don't know like even how could someone mm-hmm. like myself try to help bring them out of it without irritating you know I feel like yeah yeah like they shut down more right well I think that that's really a powerful thing that you know when people are um, depressed they we can generalize a little bit it's not true for everybody, but in general, depression indicates that there's a lot of rage and anger that's being turned against oneself. So the person feels probably helpless to make changes 
feels like they have to do it the way things the way things are happening feels out of their control, which is very much the feeling that people have when they have babies and toddlers and young children. Because the you know, babies, toddlers, young children, they're doing what they do. They're not doing what we want them to do. Um, so when somebody's dealing with that, if you find a person who's dealing with depression, if you can if you can offer just to sit and be with them without talking to find that, like to check in with yourself and your own breathing and come into your own heart and, and try to stay out of your head. Our heads want to find all the answers. So our minds are meant to be the servants of the heart. So if we just give ourselves the opportunity to sit and breathe and feel our hearts and offer our hearts without solutions, that would be a very loving um, you know, almost like a Kabbalistic a way to approach a person in that kind of pain. We, in our Western thought process, we want to give answers and create uh, new behaviors from what we think and say, and these problems don't resolve that way. So I would just offer my heart just to sit with that person or to say, can I hold the baby for you for an hour today while you take a shower? And, you know, things like that are very helpful. And and the other piece of it, yeah. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I, I was just saying, like, how you mean, like, just because they're lonely and they may not ask, but just to let them know someone's there or just to, like, give them something without really saying it to them. Yeah, and even say, you know, I am showing up today at 3 o'clock. I don't care if you're dressed. I don't care what mess is in your house. I'm just going to come in. I have an hour today, and I, I choose to give it to you. And, you know, just constantly showing up from always having that intent, as you speak, of being, which I'm sure you do, and we all all try to, of just being loving and non-judgmental because, you know, I I don't know if you would both resonate with this, but I, I think women feel so judged, especially as we're having babies, you know, like you said, like Kate Middleton, you know, she's a size zero an hour after she gave birth. She's in front of the camera. She looks, I mean, that's like the standard that we're being held to um, in the Western world. But, you know, I think there are so, so many um, groups that are forming to give motherhood and maternity and family uh, a, a, a more real, gritty, honest, and beautiful representation in our culture. So... We, we really want to be a part of that movement. What if somebody is, aside from even mothers and babies, what if like, you have someone in your life who's very deeply grieving and they, they're in the swamp of it and they don't seem to want to move on and mm. you can sit with them as they're crying and on. They're not really even conscious of what's going on with them. They're just miserable and you can yeah. sit with them. But how do you encourage someone to get some healing who's mm. in that situation how do you get them to go to someone like Jill when they've never experienced that and they're not aware that they can get some help uh, and they don't have to um, sit this be this way always well I think one of the first things to do is to recognize in ourselves first that you know we are helper types right like we want so badly to be helpful in that way and to for me like I know that I have to uh, I have to recognize for myself that the way that I help people most is by setting the example. So by being, walking the talk of my life, by being with myself, by nurturing myself, by 
by um, coveting my own and creating my connection within myself, with my own heart, with my own God, with my own life, that if I sit next to another person simply by vibration, that person is going to benefit from me being with my own truth. And then another very almost silly comical thing that you can do, which people have done, is say, I just, this is your birthday gift. Go see Jill or somebody like Jill who does this kind of work. I have had many people come into my office who have come in because somebody said, I see you need this kind of support and you're not getting it for yourself. So if that's something that resonates or within your means or interest, you do something like that. You find a person who you think that person might enjoy being with and you set it up for them. So that's, you know, so it's like two extremes. One is I'm going to be with you working with myself, being conscious with myself and letting that, sh- letting that light shine to others. And then it's taking an action saying, I think you would benefit by this. I could be wrong, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to give this to you as your birthday gift or your whatever. Give it a shot and it's not even costing you a dime. So be quiet and go make the call. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and, and people do it. They do it. You know, somehow it like people have a hard time giving themselves the help that they need. So sometimes if we yeah. give it to, you know, it's like giving a baby nurses and give it whatever it is that you think is going to help the person receive. We have a terrible time receiving nurturing and love when something smells like like it might be soft and sweet and kind and you know we just don't know what to do with it in our culture so we have to change that yeah, I, a lot of people put up walls with that I they do that. because like i it's actually my birthday month so if anybody's listening oh <laughs> jill is available if anyone wants to get uh give a gift stephanie <laughs> But it's funny you say that because I was literally just having this conversation with a friend about bridal registries, and we were kind of laughing about some of the obnoxious things that people were registering for. Like, you're never going to use a $150 cream dish for creamer or sugar dish. Like, who? what are you mm-hmm. registering for? And I was like, you know, if I ever got married, I would put things on there like, you have to buy me babysitting time or, like, a housekeeper. Like, that's what I would want. Yes, yes. Or like, like I would literally put the list, like, buy me some Seta time. I love Seta, let me tell you. And then, yeah, me too. Like, like, I'd be like, help me heal. Because you're right. We, especially, I think, as women in general, and let alone moms, don't ever want to do that. We feel guilty to kind of take that time or spend that money on ourselves to do. Right. We really need to be able to maintain our family. We're the structure. So. You know, it's, it, it, you're so wise and that's so right, Steph, because it's not just about buying the beautiful pocketbook to sit on the counter that everybody admires. How about, buy, how about getting something that makes you beautiful and feeling better from the inside, which will yeah. absolutely touch every other person in your life and make yeah. it better for them also, especially your children and, and, and all of that. The healthier you get, the better for them. Yeah, and it's so being a bit conscious of the culture that we're in that is always saying to us, look good. At all costs, look good. We don't care what's going on underneath. You could be suffering in silence in your house, and you could be falling apart as long as your hair is done and you're this or you have the right bag. We, have to, we really have to, as 
uh, as a culture, as a, as a group of women of all ages and all experiences, because we're all walking through the human timeline. At one point or another, we, God willing, hit all of the points. So we need to help each other. Those of us who are older, we need to put our hands back down to the women who are coming up and say, I know what this feels like. I'm here. I, I hear, I, I love you. I'm, I get your pain. I've been there. It's normal. You, there's nothing wrong with you other than you're going through you, all this pain. You're growing. I really, that is beautiful. Well, Jill, with that, can you give us a little quick breakdown on like how people can reach you or where to find you? Because I feel like, yes, that's our goal for May is to gift one another or gift me for my birthday. And <laughs> hint, 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 everybody. <laughs> oh, that's so, so sweet. Or how do people, uh, yeah, let us know, like, how. Yeah. And do you have any special offers, maybe, for some of these people who might um, yeah. want sure. to come, if they say they've come through the podcast? Absolutely. Well, if somebody wants to come in for an astrology session specifically, I can offer the session at 125 versus the usual 150. So there's that. Um, you can best reach me at, um, is it okay if, to say my phone number for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's 201-370-4063. And you can also go to my website, which is my name, Jill Aris, E-R-A-S. Correct. And, you know, there's my email is on there as well. And, you know, contact forms are there. And, you know, I think the website's a really nice way to just kind of look around and, you know, hear me talk more about things. And um, people are always welcome to give a call if they're curious about how what I'm doing might benefit them specifically and personally. Um, so if so, someone wants to, if someone's curious, they can absolutely just call you and discuss it before they make, before they decide to make an appointment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I expect people to do that. I mean, this is a very, very personal uh, business and work to be in. And, you know, I also say to people, you know, hold everything lightly. If you decide to come in and make an appointment, check in with yourself and see what you feel. And, you know, I might be the right match. Maybe I'm not the right match. And then I can help direct you to other wonderful colleagues of mine. So, you know, there's, and, and, even, and even after, good point to I'm make. sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that's a no, really no. point to make because I think a lot of people also have that perception that they just need a call and they get a they get a you know a reading from like you know and then that's it. But that's not how it goes. You do want to call and become comfortable with someone and they know you and you grow this relationship. You know, like yeah, how set it goes and like you know people who work with like Lee, you know, we they they become part of your whole like you said healing like timeline and it's not just like yeah let me get your money and call and I think that's really important for people to understand like no teach them why or what would be best for them before they miss anything well exactly and you know and over I have people who I've been working with for almost 10 years and it's a relationship and it's you know we have a relationship and the relationship goes through ups and downs um, there are times where I'll send somebody out to somebody else for a little while do this work with this colleague of mine then come back to me when you feel ready I mean it's about learning how to do healthy relationship which means you bring yourself there you everything that you're feeling your anger your pain your fears your joy your love 
your silliness, your, your worries, your anxiety, whatever it is that you're bringing, we're modeling and experiencing safe relationships for the first time for most people. So it's a very tender, loving, fierce, peer relationship. We're peers. I'm learning with that person too. Which is a beautiful attitude because a lot of healers get to a point where, you know, they feel, you know, they're cut above and it's, we all learn from each other. No, no. Humility is, is the, one hundred, the, the most important quality in my work that I feel. If I lose my humility, then I'm no good to anybody, including myself. Uh, I have two other questions and then, um, Steph, you know, we can, um, this is so much fun. I could be talking to Jill for hours. I know. Um, <laughs> I think we've got to wrap it up. Right here. Uh, but uh, two questions, Jill. If you could briefly yeah. tell us, uh, give us a little vignette about um, someone who has healed or, you know, just a brief thing, a journey of someone who has yes. worked with you and the change that went on for them. And then give us your tip for joy. How does someone, sure. in your opinion, find joy in life? In this yeah. complicated okay. world. <laughs> oh, it is so complicated. So um, very briefly, a wonderful woman that I work with, um, a young mother um, raising uh, children in elementary school age. She's, um, she's come from a lot of, you know, difficulties in her upbringing, which we've worked through a lot of the, you know, just illuminating them, understanding them. And so recently she had some dreams that brought up, uh, the pain that she experienced as a baby. The baby was, she dreamt of a baby being abandoned in a car and that the father said to her, well, you know, I had to have, go and have fun. And so she was in the dream. She was saying, oh, well, of course, the father has to go have fun. So we worked on feeling what it's like to be that baby being abandoned and feeling the pain. So she got that. And so afterwards, after we finished working with the dream, I said, okay, so now what you do with this is when you're in the world, having your, your, your daily life, and re, she's very sensitive to other people and what they do, as, as many of us are. And I said, when, when you're reacting and having these feelings about people, I want you to consciously bring the pain of being the baby who's abandoned to the moment. And she said, what? Are you kidding? You want me to feel that pain while I'm dealing with people? I said, you know, just try, experiment with it, see what happens. There's no right answer, no wrong answer. There's no perfection here. It's just, it's a process. So she came back into my office and she was almost in tears and she was laughing and she said, you're not going to believe this. But when I did that, it changed everything. I wasn't upset with anybody anymore. I just felt my pain. And she said, and you were, cause she challenged me on it. She said, well, if I feel pain, aren't I going to get depressed and feel more pain? I said, no. If you feel the real original pain of abandonment and you acknowledge and give your heart permission to feel the pain, you're going to find that it moves through you. And she said, you were right. It moved through me. And I felt happy. So I'm going to join my tip for joy with this story. Because if we allow ourselves to feel pain, if we give ourselves permission and we don't fight against it or medicate it or run away from it or stuff it into our bodies and create a stomachache or a headache or any of the things we do, then on the other side of the pain emerges joy. So by giving ourselves permission to feel pain, 
we will come into contact with joy. Especially is, if, you, if you help yourself to heal that pain. Yes, and allowing it is that, see, this client was a perfect example of how we fight against feeling it. But no, if I feel it, I'm going to get depressed, I'm going to this, I'm going to, but I've been working with her long enough for her to see. Well, no, the depression, the pain from depression is you attacking yourself and not, you know, unconsciously trying to find a solution for what you think is unacceptable. But that's the lie. The lie is that pain is unacceptable. No, it is totally acceptable and it's part of being human. Otherwise, why would we have these feelings? Our feelings will heal us if, the, if we feel them. If we allow ourselves to feel, we will heal. And if you do it in the context of an of a environment where you're held and directed, as we all need that, I need that, everybody I feel benefits from that kind of loving support, then we keep moving forward and our lives become connected to calling, which is where the ultimate joy comes from. That is beautiful. And that's the perfect ending to a beautiful interview. Oh, I just love being with you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody who's listening. I so, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Steph, you have any final? No, I, this was a great episode. I actually want to re-listen to it here because I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. I, I do that often. I like to listen to our episodes because like, even when I'm talking, I feel like I miss some of it. So, um, yeah. 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 Like I said, it's a good month. Let's let's heal each other and do yes. some little things, even if it's little tips to help get them started in the right direction or just to sit with them, like you said. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with us today. And we will put oh, our, my pleasure. on our, our website as well. So if people are looking to get a hold of you, we'll have that up with our other podcasts on, on that. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Irene. I'm so blessed to be with you. Thank you. It's our pleasure, and uh, I guess I'll end with my favorite expression, to be continued. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for uh, tuning in for another episode of Grief and Rebirth Podcast, and we will speak soon for our uh, summer series here. And bye for now. Thank you. Thank you so much. 